Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the One Woman Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Grace, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things book and author related, discuss any new releases or any of my current reads, things going on in the book world and my personal life, and of course, discuss one half of our monthly book club pick, which this month is The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donohue. It has been a very long time and I'm so sorry but honestly I don't even know why I planned to do even one December podcast. I had all the best intentions to do a recap episode, to talk about January, to talk about our podcast books and I do feel bad and I'm really sorry um, because that's something that I promised and I didn't deliver on which always keeps me up. I really hate not delivering on stuff that I say I'm going to do. So I'm really sorry that no December episodes were put out last month and that we're already at January 22nd when this episode is coming out. So we're already well into the month, but there's been a lot going on, as I'm sure you can imagine. If you didn't know, I got engaged in October and my fiance Noah and I really took the months of November and December to relax and enjoy being engaged, you know, with family. December in general is just like the busiest month ever, um, not only with my personal life, but with work. There was a lot of like year-end clothes stuff that had to go on. We all get it. We all know that December is an absolutely insane time. And for me, that was no exception. So uh, somehow, which I'll talk about, I got six books read. <laughs> I read six books in December. I think that was the only way I decompressed. Um, so I do want to talk about those today. Um, and the other thing I want to talk, there's a lot of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the six books I read in December. I want to talk about my top 10 books of 2023, what my top 10 books were. I'm sure a lot of you can guess, or if you follow me on Instagram, which I'm sure the majority of you do at Grace's Reading Nook there on Instagram, you'll have already seen my top 10, but I do want to talk about those a little bit more in detail. And then over the course of December, I also had a host of polls going on on my Instagram for you all to vote on our ranking of our one woman book club podcast books for 2023. We read 11 books and a lot of you read all of them with me, which was incredible. And so many of you voted on what your favorites were. So I do want to go through that list as well. I have a lot to say on that subject. So I'm super excited to talk about that. And then of course, we have to talk about our monthly book club pick, which is the Rachel incident. Um, I was kind of surprised that this one won. Um, It is all over like the bestsellers list and it's getting a lot of positive hype. 
um, in the book community as one of the, you know, better books of 2023. I'll talk about this a little bit more in the second half. It's really, I don't have, actually, I don't have too, too much to say about the Rachel incident. Just spoiler alert, things to come. It's not the easiest book to dissect in a book club setting, um, which I'll talk about, but I'm not digging it. It's not my favorite. And it's strange because I tend to really like books like that where it doesn't need to be twisty and turny. And I talk about this all the time and I'm going to talk about it when I talk about my top 10 books of the year. But um, it doesn't need to have a lot of twists and turns. It doesn't need to be wicked steamy and have all this witty banter and dialogue. As long as for me, the writing is really good and really fresh and original. The characters seem really real. And you know, this does have all of that. The writing is inherently good. I just can't get into it for some reason. I don't know if it's the other book that I'm reading right now, which I'm like super enthralled with, which I'll talk about shortly. Um, but yeah, it's just not doing it for me. And I'm, I'm really curious next week, I'll do some polls um, to get your opinions. But I'm thinking based on, you know, what the top books were from last year, how you all reacted to what books we were reading for the podcast last year. I have a feeling like you guys aren't going to be really enjoying it either, just based on what I think you guys like. But that's a discussion for the second half of today's episode. To get started, let's talk about one woman book club business, because that was the most excited I was to record an episode in December was to talk about what we thought about the one woman book club book picks for 2023. Those in depth rankings. I really want to talk to you guys about that because I think that's the most exciting thing to start with. So let's get on into it. So like I mentioned, we read 11 books in 2023 for the One Woman Book Club podcast. To start off, that is a huge undertaking and accomplishment. So thank you to everyone who read along with me last year. Starting this podcast was definitely a dream and has been so much fun to, you know, go on this ride with you this year. But to start, um, so I've been so excited about this. So if you missed it, I had you all on my Instagram vote in multiple rounds of polls. And again, thank you to everyone who participated um, and rank the 11 books we read for the podcast in 2023. And I've been so excited to share this. And we have the official ranking. Some of these are total shockers to me, while others I do completely understand. Some of it I wonder if people voted just because like, maybe they didn't read it for the podcast, but they have read the book. Um, which is totally fine. I mean, not ideal. <laughs> um, but I'm sure that probably happened. And the number 11 spot I'm really, really shocked at, because it's a book that's in my top 10 books of the year. So the book you liked the least that we read last year was Notes on an Execution by Danya Kukovka. I have to say I am totally shocked by this one. This was absolutely one of my favorite books of the year. And as I've sat with it, it has really only solidified it for me. I found the story to really stick with me. It's really unique and raw and brings up a lot of interesting and shocking uh, morality questions. And I don't know if it's because not as many people read this one or because in general, you want more standard romance and thriller picks for book club books. But I'm clearly the outlier here. So this was our September book club pick and I actually rated it five stars. I think I originally said somewhere between a four and 4.5 because I know that there were some parts of this story that for me were really boring, particularly some certain character parts. But as I've sat with it, it's really stuck out to me as a unique book. Um, all the recaps coming forward will be primarily free of any spoilers that I know because I know so many of you haven't really read all 11 books. 
Um, this one ranked the lowest, but if you haven't read it, I still would highly recommend you give it a chance. This has an average ranking of 4.10 on Goodreads. It's about a serial killer on death row and his life as told by the women whose lives he's had an impact on. Ansel as a character is so complicated and it was really hard for me to put into words how I felt about him and it still is. Of course, he was twisted and evil, but it brings up that question, you know, are some people born evil or is evilness put upon them by their circumstances? Or is what Ansel says true? Are people neither 100% good or 100% bad, but somewhere in that gray area? This brought up the discussions of the death penalty, and if we think that is morally right or corrupt. Not only did this book bring up those major discussion questions, it put the women that serial killers kill at the heart of the story. And not only that, but the other people who are affected by mass murder. The epilogue was truly moving. I don't want to spend the whole podcast talking about this book, but let's just say I am shocked it came in last because if not my top podcast book of the year, for me, it was definitely top three. And like I said, it is in my top 10 ranking of books for the year. So shocked. The number 10 book that you guys ranked is The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches by Sangu Mandana. Now onto this book, it was our October book club pick, and I do understand the low ranking for it. In general, this book was a total miss for me. And on the opposite side from Notes on an Execution, the more I've sat with this one, the less I liked it. What a blah book. And I'm sorry if you loved it, but this just didn't do it for me. I have seen rave reviews for this one all over TikTok saying that it was the perfect cute and atmospheric romance for the season. So I was so excited when this was the October book selection, but I was thoroughly disappointed. This has an average rating of 4.13 on Goodreads, which I also find shocking. And I rated this three stars upon first reading it. I would probably even go down to like a 2.5 now, seeing as how lackluster I feel about it, having a couple of months to really sit on it. For me, it just fell completely flat, and I can see that it did for many of you too. My biggest flaw with this book was that there was no true plot moving it along. It was completely predictable, unrealistic, and honestly at times boring and quite cringy. I'm all for a little fun and magic. I am a huge, huge fan of magical realism. I mean, Shark Heart was one of, if not my favorite, I'll tell you later, books of 2023. But this just didn't have enough substance for me, like, at all. The characters needed to be further developed, and the romance felt incredibly forced, and I didn't feel any real chemistry between the main characters. One reviewer on Goodreads, I remember, wrote that this book was all icing and no cake, and I couldn't agree more. The number nine pick ranked was Wayward by Amelia Hart. I loved this book. I'm really sad to see it at the number nine spot, but I understand it isn't and clearly wasn't for everyone. This recently won Goodreads Top Historical Fiction Book of the Year, which I found incredibly interesting. While I'm super happy to see it getting the recognition I believe it deserves, I personally wouldn't classify this book as historical fiction. The first genre that comes to my mind is definitely magical realism, and while two of the three stories told in this book are set in past time periods, I don't think that that's the main point of the book. Regardless, I loved this one. We read this as our April book club pick and I rated it five stars. It has an average rating on Goodreads of 4.13, which I think is fair and understandable. 
It follows three women in three different time periods, one in 2019, one in 1942, and one in 1619. All three women feel strangely connected to nature and even a little bit magical, and all three are connected. That's all I'll say on the plot, but this book really was incredible. It was an intricate and beautifully written story, and as I mentioned before, I'm a huge fan of magical realism, and this one had that in spades. This is truly a story about finding the strength and power within you to free yourself from anything that is weighing you down or holding you back. And it truly was a metaphor for what all of us women have inside us, whether we have magical powers or not. I never wanted this one to end. And again, I'm sad you guys didn't feel the same way, potentially. Um, and you just like some of the other books better, which I understand, but I am sad it's not higher on our ranking for 2023. Number eight was Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune. And now in a turn of events, we have one that I'm sad is not lower. I'm sorry, but this book was just a total miss for me. This book came on the heels of me absolutely adoring Every Summer After by Carly Fortune last year. So when Meet Me at the Lake was released, I couldn't wait to pick up a copy. And I was thrilled when it was chosen as our book club book. Now, Every Summer After also got in some heat for being an almost exact copy plot-wise of Love and Other Words by Christina Lauren, which obviously came first, and that heat is completely understandable. And I definitely stuck up for Carly at first, but after this one, I'm not so sure. She also has a new book coming out in 2024, which of course I will reluctantly read having loved Every Summer After, but it is with immense hesitation. So Meet Me at the Lake was our May book club pick, and this has an average Goodreads rating of 3.71, and I rated it three stars upon initially reading. But again, I would probably go more in the 2 to 2.5 range now. I, I think a lot of you guys know this, but I hardly ever rate anything lower than a 2 if I finish it, so that's saying something. The first half of this book to start was a complete drag for me. I struggle immensely with the idea of insta-love. And when I found out that was what the story was, and that's what the love story was based on, I was from the get-go rolling my eyes. Our main characters met for one day when they were each in relationships with other people, might I add. But then they meet up again a decade later and are still miraculously in love. And I personally cannot see this happening in real life. I'm sorry. I completely get spending a day with someone and having a crush I love romance. And of course, like this reminds me of being in high school, like it's just very high school coded. But having it unravel in your current life as a you know person in your late 20s, a decade later, no way. The miscommunication in this book was also unbelievably frustrating. You are adults, please speak like adults in that ending. Please don't even get me started. If you read this along with me and know the ending, you know my thoughts, but I was beyond frustrated. All of that mixed with the fact that I just couldn't see Will and Fern's connection, and I also never felt connected to the characters or the location. While plenty of the characters had depth and the location was a cute, dirty dancing type of setup, none of it resonated with me, and it's a total pass, total pass. So I'm curious to see what Carly's new book is going to be like in 2024. I'm either going to love it or hate it, clearly, and it's going to kind of determine who, where she is as an author for me going forward. 
Number seven is Just the Nicest Couple by Mary Kubica, which was our first book club book of the year and a book and author that will always hold a special place in my heart. So this is our February book club pick and having the chance to have Mary Kubica sit down and answer some questions on the podcast was so special and having authors on and answering questions was something I hoped and tried to do more of in 2023, but it never panned out. So a huge shout out to Mary for working with us. She's always going to be one of my favorite authors, not only for her writing, but her generosity and kindness. Um, I do want to speak to more authors in 2024. So I'm trying and stay tuned for that. This was a great thriller. I had so much fun dissecting it. And it really set the tone for how fun thrillers are to discuss in a podcast setting. Mary Kubica is well known in the thriller community for being a powerhouse author. I loved Local Woman Missing in 2022. Um, and this was no exception. The Goodreads rating is actually relatively low 3.55. But I find that thrillers are pretty harshly judged in the book world and also more widely read, which makes sense. Um, I rated this four stars. This is a classic domestic suspense thriller featuring two couples, two close friends, and one missing husband. There were some fantastic twists and turns and some genuinely creepy and shocking things that happened throughout the book. As, a, as is classic in a domestic thriller, I never knew who to trust. I was able to figure out some of the main twists early on, but that didn't stop me from loving it. When we spoke with Mary on the podcast, she said she wanted to write a story about a husband being missing because you will hardly ever hear of that, which is so cool. This was a standard great thriller, nothing completely revolutionary, but one that I still thoroughly enjoyed. Number six was The Five Star Weekend by Ellen Hildebrand, and this was one of our June book club books. June was the month that we read two, and I realized just how difficult that was to maintain. While it's easy to read two books in a month, coming up with content for four podcasts has proven to be too difficult for me throughout the year. So thank you all for sticking with me through all of the ups and downs this podcast has had so far. Ellen Hildebrand is such a fun author and her books always leave me happy. They are perfect light reads for summer and this one was definitely no different. I read The Hotel Nantucket um, in 2022 and enjoyed that probably more than The Five Star Weekend. While I like this one, it's probably one of my least favorite Ellen books I've read and I've read quite a few. This has an average Goodreads rating of 4.11 and I feel like everyone and their mother literally <laughs> read this book this year. I rated it four stars, but honestly, it's probably closer to 3.5 having sat with it and being in the new year. It did have all the classics of an Ellen Hildebrand book, Nantucket, name dropping Nantucket landmarks and restaurants, juicy characters, twisty storylines and complicated relationships. It was far from perfect, but still enjoyable. This follows our main character as she decides to host a five star weekend for her friends after her husband dies. A friend from growing up, one from college, one from adulthood and a current friend. Each chapter takes on a new women's POV and her own complicated life and problems. This may be a me problem, but I found the narrator dialogue to be incredibly cringy. The name dropping of Gen Z terms and phrases stick out like a sore thumb and I couldn't help but chuckle. It was also really hard to relate to Hollis, the main character, because she was just so rich and out of touch as many of the women were. However, the twists were fun and salacious, but nothing too extreme. Most seemed pretty believable. And in general, it was a book you could definitely read in a sitting or two on the beach. Um, needed to know what happened next. This is just a great standard beach and summer read. Nothing earth shattering, but Ellen wasn't going for earth shattering and it was just fun. And we're on to our top five, everyone. Number five, we have The Seven Year Slip by Ashley Poston. 
This was a very, very fun romance, and it is definitely a crowd favorite with an average rating on Goodreads of 4.3. This was our August book club pick, and I rated it four stars. If you couldn't already tell, and I haven't mentioned it enough today and always, I love magical realism. And this was another book with magical realism. The thing that stands out to me the most after having read this book was the wonderful writing. Ashley Poston wrote with such beautiful and descriptive imagery of the stunning apartment and delicious food. Food truly becomes its own character in this book and definitely its own love language. This follows Clementine struggling with her aunt's death and living in her old apartment she left to her. Enter Ewan and the slip. When Ewan enters the apartment, he's seven years in the past and only shows up sometimes. And of course, they fall in love. Clementine's aunt Analia was such a stunning character and one that I truly loved. And I didn't expect to love the relationship between the aunt and Clementine the most, but I really think I did. I love that she truly showed her how to live life to the fullest and be her most authentic self. Ewan is a lovely book boyfriend. I love his southern charm. His cooking ability is very sexy, but I wish we got more of Clementine and Ewan's relationship, and I wanted to just feel it more. Their dialogue was super realistic and flirty, but despite wanting more romance, I was rooting for them the entire time. Overall, it was super fun, and I really enjoyed it, and one that I know romance lovers will eat up, pun intended. Number four, The Only One Left by Riley Sager. Riley Sager's newest book coming in at number four was not a surprise to me. He is an autobi author, and while his newest book definitely had some flaws, it was an overall enjoyable read. This is our July book club pick, and it has an average rating of 4.15 on Goodreads. I ended up giving it a four, and I do stand by that choice. I love that this was somewhat of a modern retelling of the Lizzie Borden, um, I was going to say poem, but it's like a rhyme. Um, haunted house vibes are not always my favorite. And while this one wasn't necessarily haunted, it was done incredibly well. This follows the story of Lenora Hope, who the town thinks is responsible for killing her whole family as a teenager. She gets a new live-in caretaker, Kit, and Kit starts to notice some strange things going on around the mansion. Unfortunately, I was able to pick up on the major twist pretty early on. With that being said, and like I always say, if a twist is good enough, even if I figure it out, I will still find it enjoyable, and that was the case here. My major problem was that the twist just kept coming, and that ending was like true whiplash. Almost like Sager was throwing anything at a wall to see what would stick. It was fun for a minute, but totally ridiculous by the end. This one was also genuinely creepy on multiple occasions. I thought the story was really unique and interesting. I loved how the characters were rich and full of depth. And I also loved the typewriter scenes, if you know, you know. Overall, this does sit pretty high on my Riley Seeger ranking, and I can totally understand why it ranked so high on our list. Number three, All the Dangerous Things by Stacey Willingham. Coming in at number three, this is probably my favorite thriller of the year, personally. Stacey Willingham can do no wrong, and that's evidenced by her most recent book that I also absolutely loved. Um, I read The Only, God, not The Only One Left, Only If We're Lucky by Stacey Willingham. I got an advanced reader copy of that book. It actually just came out on the 16th of January, but I read Only If We're Lucky in December, flew through it. I'll talk about that briefly soon. Loved it. So she's three for three for me. All the Dangerous Things was our March book club pick, and it has an average Goodreads rating of 4.10, but I gave it a 5. 
in my eyes when I read it and still now I think it is the perfect thriller and that's saying something for me because a five out of five is really hard to come by for me with thrillers. The twists have to be done right and they have to be shocking. The characters have to be perfectly creepy and the plot has to make sense and also have a little bit of something extra and this did all of that. This follows Isabel Drake after her son Mason was taken out of his crib in the middle of the night in her fight to get him back. I don't want to give anything else away, but there's a full cast of characters and they all make it really extra thrilling. I love the flashbacks to both Isabel's childhood and her early life with her husband. The writing was spectacular and I was completely immersed from start to finish. I absolutely never knew who to trust. And if you know this book, I feel like that says so much about the pressure society puts on women and mothers. That was the whole overarching theme throughout the book. And it was fascinating and absolutely heartbreaking to read about. This book was filled with women in all varying stages of mental distress, and while it was incredibly sad, it did make for an interesting book. It was never once boring. There were so many different plots going on at once, and I had so many questions that could hardly ever be guessed. If you didn't read along with us in March, absolutely put this at the top of your list for 2024. Stacy's newest book that I talked about earlier, Only If You're Lucky, is also not to be missed. I already cannot wait for book number four from her. Number two. Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. I'm sort of surprised this didn't take the number one spot, and honestly, I'm just happy it didn't. While I did enjoy Fourth Wing quite a bit, I never would have put Iron Flame as my number two. It took me an unreasonable amount of time to go through, to get through, and put me in my November reading slump. But I'm again, definitely the outlier here. This was our most recent book club pick, our November book, and it has an average Goodreads rating of 4.42. I rated it at a three and I stand by that. I didn't love it and I didn't hate it. I don't want to talk plot here because of course you need to read Fourth Wing in order to understand anything about Iron Flame, but for the most part, even if you haven't, I'm sure the majority of you know what's going on in this universe. The first part of this book was a tough 300 pages. What saved it is that I love a dark academia world, and that is what Bezgaeth is. However, the extreme miscommunication between Violet and Zayden had me seething. I know they're young adults, and that comes with the territory, but come on. It really scares me that we have three more books in this series and the MCs are already together and fighting. It's going to be a long three more books. The world building was plenty for me in Fourth Wing, but for some reason, Iron Flame left me reeling. I don't know if I even fully understand what happened in the book at the end. There were too many provinces and towns and characters to wrap my head around and it left me really bored and confused. Additionally, the writing was pretty amateurish, which is a common complaint with this series so far. Part two of this one did kick it up a notch, but it still wasn't enough to save it in my eyes. Did I love the ending? Yes. And again, probably in the minority there, and I, but I love the stress and cliffhanger we were left on. And it's not a surprise to anyone that fantasy is not my favorite genre or a genre I really read at all outside of the series. I found my mind wandering on the long paragraphs, building the world and lore, but was waiting for the romance and steam. This book also could have been 200 pages shorter, and I think we all would have been fine with it. Like I ended my Goodreads review saying, regretfully, I will be picking up book number three. And number one, by process of elimination, some of you might have guessed it, the number one spot that you all voted was your favorite one woman book club book of the year in 2023 was Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez. 
and I am not surprised. Part of Your World was my favorite romance of the year by far. I absolutely adored it and I could not believe it took me this long to pick it up. It was a true delight to read and I could not put it down. This was our first book for June and has an average Goodreads rating of 4.32. I, of course, rated it a five. Just like All the Dangerous Things was my perfect thriller, this was my perfect romance. Alexis and Daniel have chemistry that truly jumps off the page, and it feels like Abby Jimenez sprinkled this book with magic. I am in love with Daniel, and he is truly my perfect book boyfriend. Just so hot. I read this book in a day, truly like eight hours, and it was truly just that good. What is there even to say? Daniel is a dream. The chemistry is raw and real, believable and magical. The dialogue was so authentic and never cheesy, and it points at me laughing out loud. The characters had so much depth and so many layers, and I fell in love with the town of Waken. The story made me giddy, and I just want another book just about Alexis and Daniel. I did read yours truly right after this one, and while I did enjoy it, there was just too much miscommunication for my liking. Part of your world obviously takes the cake. And that was our ranking. Um, so number one, part of your world. Number two, Iron Flame. All the dangerous things. The only one left. The seven year slip. The five star weekend. Just the nicest couple. Meet me at the lake. Wayward. The very secret society of irregular witches. And number 11, notes on an execution. Now, of course, I did not take part in any of these polls because I wanted this the polls on my Instagram to be just for the listeners. But now I want to share my official ranking of the book club books we read this year just for fun to see if any of you agree with me. My number 11 spot would be The Very Secret Society of Irregular Witches. Number 10 would be Meet Me at the Lake. Number nine would be The Five Star Weekend. Number eight would be Iron Flame. Number seven is The Seven Year Slip. Number six is Just the Nicest Couple. Number five is The Only One Left. Number four is Wayward. Number three is Notes on an Execution. Number two is All the Dangerous Things. And number one is Part of Your World. So we're truly similar in a lot of ways, a little different, which I find interesting. Maybe some of it is just swayed by how easy it was for me to discuss these books on the podcast. But I do think that we all definitely have some differing opinions. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And that took a long time. I didn't realize how long I was talking for, y'all. We're 30 minutes into this podcast, and I don't want to make this crazy long. So what I'm thinking to save me some time um, for 
to save me some time for now so I can talk about the Rachel incident with you guys and so that I can have something to talk about for next week's episode which I also have to record in like a week I think I'm going to pause here and then next week we're going to talk about my December and my January reads and we'll talk about my top 10 books of 2023 and we'll end up the Rachel incident we're on the fly here. We're working on the fly. I just talked for a long time. We love it. I really wanted to get that out as we, you know, are in 2024 now. I wanted to rank the 2023 books. I can always talk about my own current reads. Um, one thing I want to say is the book I'm currently reading. So I'm going to end January with having read probably four books is my goal. Um, I'll get into those next week, but I'm currently reading finally 112263 by Stephen King. That was a book that was recommended to me by one of my best friends, Nick, like literally when I started my bookstagram, which was in 2022. No, 2021. Oh my god. I started my bookstagram in 2021 in the spring. Um, and yeah, he literally gave me it to borrow three years ago, which is really sad. And I've had it for three years. That's really scary. Um, but I'm reading it now and I'm really sad that it took me so long because I'm really enjoying it. And I wanted to preface that because I'm going to get into my thoughts on the Rachel incident now. And I think partially I was like, oh, I don't want to put down 112263 to read the Rachel incident. So I, I just wanted to say, like, am I a little biased because I'm reading an amazing, amazing book right now? that I didn't want to put down. Yes, but still not my favorite. So as always, we are going to get into our discussion of the Rachel incident by Caroline O'Donohue. I do not have poll questions because I was late with getting all of this up. I hope you can all understand. There will be poll questions next week, but for now I'm going to go through my chapter by chapter synopsis. And we read up to chapter 17, which in my um, hardcover version is up to page 144. If you have not read up to chapter 17, stop listening if you don't want spoilers. If you've already finished the book or you don't care about spoilers, keep on listening um, and we're going to get right on into it. All right, so we're starting out with chapter one. We have some early clues in chapter one into our main character and her life. So she's clearly Irish, but seemingly living in England. She's a journalist, and in this chapter, she's going to cover an Irish TV program at a bar. She's also pregnant, though we don't know by whom or if she's still in the relationship. We also don't know her name, which I'm an idiot when I wrote that. Obviously, her name is Rachel, but it's fine. We know she's best friends with a gay TV personality and that in college she had a crush, maybe more, on her professor, Dr. Byrne. Chapter two. Okay, um, I need to confess here. I started this book shortly after I got it at Barnes & Noble months and months ago, and I believe I read the first chapter and into the second chapter a bit, but then stopped and I haven't felt the need to pick it back up because it was boring. And right now I am bored. I'm finding my eyes glazing over and I don't know if it's the writing style I'm not connecting with or what, but it is tough for me. Our main character's name is Rachel, duh, and she met James when they were both working at a bookshop. That's the gay TV personality that I talked about before. It's probably important to note that at this time, James wasn't out as gay, at least not to Rachel. Rachel has grown up in an upper middle class family, but this book takes place in 2009 during the financial crisis. So her parents have lost almost all of their money, causing Rachel to work to pay for college, even though it's very cheap in Ireland. James abruptly asks Rachel to move in with him and because she doesn't want to live with her parents anymore and because they want to downsize, she says yes. Chapter three. 
Maybe it's the pacing that's throwing me off and how even in the flashback chapter, she throws in little asides about things happening in the current time period, that all of that really threw me off. Remember at the beginning of the book, she did say that she's writing all of this down, even though she never intended to. I am excited about James and Rachel living together, and I do find it interesting how James isn't out yet, but he clearly is in the current time period. I wonder how long until Rachel breaks up with Jonathan and what is going to happen with Dr. Byrne. In chapter four, we finally meet Dr. Byrne and learn that he is married to one of his master's students, which is super scandalous. He's 35 or so, and apparently every girl in his classes wants to have sex with him. We learn that Rachel is an English major and honestly not much else. Chapter five, Dr. Byrne comes into the bookshop and there is some flirty banter between Rachel and him. Um, Dr. Byrne's first name is Frank, um, but the banter and the flirting is mostly just on Rachel's part. He then asks if the bookshop has ordered in any of his new book and Rachel lies and says that they have 15 copies coming in. So then her and James have to order the book on fake people's accounts. She finally convinces him to do a book signing there. So it seems like her crush is really developing. Oh, and also Jonathan broke up with her. Chapters six, seven, and eight, we finally have something pretty juicy happening with the book launch party. First, Frank's wife, Deanie, comes in to drop off some wine at the bookshop. And on her way out, she says, nice to finally meet you to Rachel. Does that mean Frank was talking about her? Then they have the book launch and it's pretty middle of the road. James and Rachel have been planning Rachel's big seduction of Frank after the party as he's signing books. Of course, she's nervous, but she is going to try it. When she feels like it's time, she goes into the stock room and sees Frank and James passionately kissing. She walks home and is so deeply hurt. When James gets home, he admits that he's gay to her and explains that the two of them had sex. It's all swept under the rug pretty quickly. And I think that's because of the strong bond that Rachel and James have. She said she would have been way more mad if James had been a girlfriend of hers, which I oddly understand. So is Frank bisexual or hiding the fact that he's gay? In chapter nine, this is mostly a short filler chapter about the antics that James and Rachel are getting into, sleeping with bands, partying, etc. Rachel comments that Dr. Byrne rarely calls on her in class anymore, of course, because he feels awkward. James and Rachel see Frank and Deanie out, with, out one night and Rachel gets a drink with Deanie while James and Frank chat. Will Rachel end up getting a job at Deanie's publishing agency after school? In chapter 10, James gave Dr. Byrne their address and he shows up one night and they have sex. James really seems to like him or is at least incredibly attracted to him. Frank said on multiple occasions that he's bisexual, but he's still cheating on his wife. He has experimented with men in the past, but this is his first time sleeping with a man in Ireland. Chapter 11, we get to meet Rachel's future husband, Carrie, and see into the start of their relationship, which in a word is passionate. In chapter 12, did we know that Frank is in a coma in present day? I don't think so. I can't remember that ever coming up, but we do learn that he's currently in a coma. So basically in chapter 12, we have a lot of crazy sex between Rachel and Carrie, whose real name is James. And I'm really happy the author thought for Rachel to call him by his last name. So as to avoid confusion until he mysteriously disappears from her life. There was some incredibly realistic dialogue and language used in this chapter that I loved and honestly laughed at. Rachel starts falling behind on all of her exams and basically blackmails Frank into emailing the department head asking to cut her some slack, which she gets. She also gets an internship with Deanie working at Frank and Deanie's house of all places. And I don't know how she's not going to feel guilty about that. 
And guys, I slacked, but like there was nothing else to talk about. And I finished at this point up to chapter 17. And I've now realized this isn't the easiest book club book to analyze because nothing really happens. Is it a fun and accurate portrayal about what life can be like in your early 20s? Yes, full of partying and sex and drinking and living frivolously. We end with James sending out his TV show Discs to agencies and getting a little bit of interest. He wants to move to London with Rachel, but wants her to ask Carrie to come too so that they'll save on rent. But Rachel is afraid to ask Carrie because not only does he hate England, she's afraid of losing him again. Just when we thought Frank was gone for good, he calls James one day asking to meet for coffee. This is just after James came out to his parents and the world, and this is seemingly threatening to Frank, who it seems felt had a kindred spirit in his closet with James. And that's all for now. I'm curious to see where it goes, but can tell that this is just a life piece and one I'm not really connecting to. It's strange because like I said in the beginning of this podcast, I love books like this with good writing and funny characters and anything involving coming of age, you know I'm all about. But something about this one isn't resonating. I'm not finding the writing to be particularly good or inspiring. And I don't love or even like Frank as a character and just how shady he is. I'm also somehow a little hesitant um, to love James for some reason and almost feel like he's going to turn on Rachel. I have a feeling Rachel isn't going to ask Carrie to move to England and she's also going to stay in Ireland with him. They do get married after all, so there's that. But we also have to remember that she is living in England with Carrie at the beginning of the book and in present day, so maybe they do move? Rachel's internship with Deanie is also a dead end and does just doesn't leave me feeling good either. I'm actually really surprised so far that this book got as much positivity and hype as it did because I've read books similar to this that I enjoyed way more. Take Cleopatra and Frankenstein, for example, which I'll talk about in next week's episode because I read that in December. It's also just not a great book for a book club because there isn't much to discuss. Our characters are all behaving pretty badly as most people do in their early 20s. And I'm very curious to do polls next week to hear your thoughts. And that is all for today's episode. It felt so good to be back recording. Thank you all so much for listening. Next week, we're going to go through my top 10 books of 2023. We're also going to talk about all the books I read in December and January. And we're going to discuss up to the end of The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donoghue. Be sure to be checking out my Instagram at Grace's Reading Nook for updates throughout the week and for poll questions coming on The Rachel Incident. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll talk to you all in the next episode. Bye. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you.
So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make season two even more memorable together.